One, two, one, two. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Let me just check a few things here. Da -da 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 -da. Turn that down, turn that down. Okay. Hello, everybody. And welcome to... Politics, culture, and some other shit. Uh, like, share, subscribe. If you would be so kind, I would really appreciate it. Uh, hope you're all well. I decided... Uh, I had a bit of time. I thought I would just do this. Because I had these articles bookmarked from last week. And I wanted to... I wanted to share them with you. So I had a bit of time and decided to come out and do it. Because I'm that type of guy. So most of you are going to be um, listening to this via your podcast app and all that, which is cool. But uh, this also goes out live. Whenever I do these, I do them live on, on the YouTubes. So yeah. So here we go. We're going to head a couple of quick updates. I did my live stream from the house on Friday night. Thank you so much for those of you that were able to join me. Uh, for those of you that left me a tip, very appreciated. Always helpful. Um, yeah. And what else? That was cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be able to. I'm going to be doing less work with my driving from this week on. So I'm going to be doing more writing and shit. So that's good too. Which was always the fucking plan. Well, it wasn't always the plan. But it was the plan once I decided it was going to be the plan. It was going to be the plan. So, one, two. Sorry, just check my, my levels here. I need to get these. I want to get them nice and loud for you. One, two. There we go. So, quick updates. I'm not going to take long at this. Just a couple of seconds. Uh, with a gig in the Atlantic. Uh, the Bonnevilles. In Port Rush. Saturday the 9th with uh, support from uh, Fagash McCann which is uh, a duo another duo we don't like doing the duo people do this and I don't like it because we're a duo they tend to go oh we'll get another duo and then it, I fucking hate it because then it ends up like uh, Battle of the Duos you know what I mean and I really don't like that it's fucking nonsense you know you don't do and just get another three piece because your band's a three piece you wouldn't you don't think like that, but when it comes to duos, people t tend to think like that. I don't know why. But that said, Fagash McCann are fantastic, so I'm excited to see them. Uh, I've heard them, but I've never seen them. So, that, I'm just, I'm going through my week calendar here. So that's Portrush, April the 9th. Uh, Cookstown Railway Bar, April the 15th. I don't know if there's support with that one. I think there is. Uh, Saturday... No, here we go. 17th. Well, that's Chris. So Chris's Cursed Son, heavy metal band, are playing uh, in Cookstown as well on the 17th. Sunday the 17th, so that's good. And then we're playing Kilkenny Root... No, the Deer's Head in Belfast with NASA Assassin on the 23rd. These are all in April. I should have said that at the start. And then Kilkenny Roots Festival on the 30th of April. And there's more dates coming in, so I'll keep you posted as those come in. So, let's do this. Turn you down. So I want to talk to you about my favourite uh, person in the world, probably, which is um, <clears throat> Chris Hedges. If you don't know who he is, uh, I'll just give you his quick um, little bio. Chris Hedges is a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist who was a foreign correspondent for 15 years for the New York Times, where he previously served as the Middle East, Middle East Bureau Chief and the Balkan bureau chief for the paper. He previously worked overseas for the Dallas Morning News, the Christian Science Monster, and NPR. And he is a host of the Emmy Award-nominated RT, uh, RT America show On Contact. Well, he's not anymore because RT has been shut down. Shamefully, um, removing essential voices like Chris Hedges uh, is a mortal fucking sin, if you ask me. So, oh, I realise I just hadn't put my... Title cured. Oh, there we go. So the, yeah. So, yeah. Chris Hedges. He left the New York Times because he was uh, actually opposed to the. Uh, he was one of the few journalists, literally at the time, in the world that was uh, in the Western world. Let's call it that. Um, that was opposed to the Iraq War, and he got basically bullied out of his job and lots of other things. But he's a very moral guy. I've read a few of his books. One of his books, they're all fantastic. 
but one of his one of my favorites of his is a book called American Fascists, and it's about the Christian right. He himself is actually an ordained minister, uh, and his father was an ordained minister. So, uh, and he's just never fucking wrong. He's just one of these cats that's never wrong. A real uh, an intellectual powerhouse, and he's never wrong. Uh, I love him. I absolutely love him. I, I, I anytime he. He's he's prolific, you know, being interviewed on Twitter and or uh, YouTube and everything. He's one of the reasons I have a, a premium account on YouTube is because of the likes of him. So, here's the article. It appeared. I'm gonna. Uh, there's two articles I'm gonna read to you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start now with the Chris Hedges one. This was published uh, on MintPressNews.com on the 15th of March, and. It is, Chris, it's titled, uh, Waltzing Towards Armageddon with the Merchants of Death. Okay, pretty heavy fucking title, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. But we're going to get into it because we're not fucking babies. Um. So, and if you know, I'll just say this before I start reading. If you know Chris Hedges' work as I do, you know he's been predicting all this shit. For many, many years, that this is everything. He's always a couple of years ahead of what's about to happen. He's an absolutely amazing, amazing man. I love him very, very much. I love his work. So, here we go. Princeton, New Jersey, for Sheer Post. He wrote this for Sheer Post originally, and it was republished in Mint Press News. The Cold War, from 1945 to 1989, was a wild bacchanalia for arms manufacturers. The Pentagon, the CIA... The diplomats who played one country off another on the world's chessboard and the global corporations able to loot and pillage by equating predatory capitalism with freedom. In the name of national security, the cold warriors, many of them self-identified liberals, demonised labour, independent media, human rights organisations and those who oppose the permanent war economy and the militarisation of American society as soft and the mili- sorry and the militarization of american society as soft on communism i'm just I'll, I'll drop in from time to time with my own thoughts uh, that line those who oppose the permanent war economy that's what we are in we are in that we have that now when was the you who's listening to this now when was the last time that this country or America or when was the last that they were not in a war with someone? Alright? It's a permanent war. Now this is obviously Amer- American centric. But, uh, but yeah. So that's that's pretty frightening. And the, the economy is significant parts of the economy are built on it. You know American uh, 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 citizens don't have access to cheap or free healthcare but they do, the American government spends $760 billion per year now on the defence industry, on, on the, you know, on defence. Well, I would say, who are you defending yourself? No one's attacking you. So, you know, th- th- that's a, th- that that doesn't make any sense. It's, a, it's the American war industry. That's what this is. So, here we go, back to the article. And that is why they have resurrected it. The decision to spurn the possibility... Listen to this, is important. And I'm sorry, I should add as well. I know fucking should have said this at the start. This is adding more context to the reason for Russia invading Ukraine. I'm putting some meat on the bones for you so you can get your head around why it's not... Vladimir Putin didn't just wake up one day and decide, no, fuck it, World War Three. that's a good idea, let's do that. There's a reason why he went to where he went to, which is wrong, by the way. Fucking awful, you know, not... And I need to put in that disclaimer at the start. I'm not excusing Vladimir Putin. I'm not excusing the Russian military for doing what they're doing. The victims in this are the poor Ukrainian people, and my heart bleeds for them. But there's a reason why he's done this, and it's not the reason that's being presented to you on your, you know, your mainstream news. So here we go. And that is why they have resurrected it. The decision to spurn the possibility of peaceful coexistence with Russia at the end of the Cold War is one of the most egregious crimes of the late 20th century. The danger of provoking Russia was universally understood with the collapse of the Soviet Union. 
including by political elites as diverse as Henry Kissinger and George F. Kennan, who called the expansion of NATO into Central Europe the most fateful error of American policy in the entire post-Cold War era. Henry Kissinger said that. That man never saw a war that didn't give him a boner. My words, not Chris Hedges. So, this provocation, a violation of a promised promise not to expand NATO beyond the borders of a unified Germany, remember I told you that last week, the week before, has seen Poland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Albania, Croatia, Montenegro and North Macedonia inducted into the Western Military Alliance. This betrayal was compounded by the decision to station NATO troops, including thousands of US troops, in Eastern Europe, another violation of the agreement made by Washington. With Moscow, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, perhaps a cynical goal of the Western alliance, has now solidified an expanding and resurgent NATO and a rampant, uncontrollable militarism. The masters of war may be ecstatic, but the potential consequences, including a global conflagration, are terrifying. Peace has been sacrificed for US global hegemony. It has been sacrificed for the billions in profits made by the arms industry. Peace could have been state resources invested in people rather than systems of control. It could have allowed us to address the climate emergency. But we cry peace, peace, and there is no peace. Nations frantically rearm, threatening nuclear war. They prepare for the worst and ensuring that the worst will happen. So what if the Amazon is reaching its final tipping point where trees will soon die off en masse? So what if land ice and ice shelves are melting from below at a much faster rate than predicted? So what if temperatures soar, monster hurricanes, floods, droughts and wildfires devastate the earth in the face of the gravest existential crisis to beset the human species and most other species, the ruling elites stoke a conflict that is driving up the price of oil and turbocharging the fossil fuel extraction industry. It is collective madness. The march towards protracted conflict with Russia and China will backfire. The desperate effort to counter the steady loss of economic dominance by the US will not be offset by military dominance. If Russia and China can create an alternative global financial system, remember I was telling you about that last week? One that does not use the US dollar as the world's reserve currency, it will signal the collapse of the American empire. The dollar will plummet in value. Treasury bonds used to fund America's massive debt will become largely worthless. The financial sanctions used to cripple Russia will be, I expect, the mechanism that slays us if we don't first emulate ourselves in thermonuclear war. Washington plans to turn Ukraine into Chechnya or the old Afghanistan. I was telling you all this last week. When the Carter administration, under the influence of the Svengali-like National Security Advisor, Brzezinski, I don't know what the guy's first name is, Brzezinski, I can read that, um, equipped and armed the radical jihadists that would morph into the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in the fight against the Soviets. It will not be good enough for Russia. It will not be good enough for the United States. It will not be good for Ukraine, as making Russia bleed will require rivers of Ukrainian blood. The decision to destroy the Russian economy, to turn the Ukrainian war into a quagmire for Russia and topple the regime of Vladimir Putin, will open a Pandora's box of evils. Massive social engineering, look at Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya or Vietnam, has its own centrifugal force. It destroys those who play God. I want to read that again. The decision to destroy the Russian economy, to turn the Ukrainian war into a quagmire for Russia, and topple the regime of Vladimir Putin, will open a Pandora's box of evils. Massive social engineering. Look at Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Libya or Vietnam has its own centrifugal force. 
It destroys those who play God. The Ukrainian war has silenced the last vestiges of the left. Nearly everyone has giddily signed on for the great crusade against the latest embodiment of evil, Vladimir Putin, who like all our enemies has become the new Hitler. The United States will give $13.6 billion in military and humanitarian existence to Ukraine. With the Biden administration authorizing on Saturday an additional $200 million in military assistance, the 5,000 strong EU rapid deployment force, the recruitment of all Eastern Europe, including Ukraine, into NATO, the reconfiguration of former Soviet bloc militaries to NATO weapons and technology have all been fast-tracked. Germany, for the first time since World War II, is massively rearming. It has lifted its ban on exporting weapons. Its new military budget is twice the amount of the old budget, which promi- with promises to raise, raise the budget to more than 2% of GDP, which would move its military from the seventh largest in the world to the third behind China and the United States. What a fucking fabulous idea that is. Fucking Germany's getting its army army bigger. NATO battle groups are being doubled in, in size in the Baltic states to more than 6,000 troops. Battle groups will be sent to Romania, Slovakia. Washington will double the number, double the number of US troops stationed in Poland to 9,000. Sweden and Finland are considering dropping their neutral status to integrate with NATO. This is a recipe for global war. History, as well as all the conflicts I have covered as a war correspondent, have demonstrated that when military posturing begins, it often takes little to set the funeral pyre alight. One mistake, one overreach, one military gamble too many, one too many provocations, one act of desperation. Russia's threat to attack weapons convoys to Ukraine from the West, so the weapons that are coming into Ukraine, a lot of them are coming through Poland from the West, right? Russia has said, we're going to attack those, right? It already has. It's airstrike on a military base in western Ukraine, 12 miles from the Polish border, which is a staging area for foreign mercenaries. The statement by the Polish president, Andrzej Duda, that the use of weapons of mass destruction, such as chemical weapons by Russia against Ukraine, would be a game changer that could force NATO to rethink its decision to refrain from direct military intervention. All are ominous developments pushing the alliance closer to open warfare with Russia, Once military forces are deployed, even if they are supposedly in a defensive posture, the bear trap is set. It takes very little to trigger the spring. The vast military bureaucracy, bound to alliances and international commitments, along with detailed plans and timetables, when it starts to roll forward, becomes unstoppable. It is propelled not by logic, but by action and reaction, as Europe learned in two world wars. And that, by the way, is the thing that I've been mulling this past while. I, I said it in, the, in the last couple of podcasts, I genuinely don't understand why Europe is going for this. The way the Germans are going for this, the way uh, well, France is actually rolling back its, 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 self, uh, or its previous uh, jingoism uh, 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 quite a bit. So... Um, President Macron of France, it looks like he is uh, with facing um, an election upcoming. It looks like he's going to, let me just stop this for a sec. It looks like he's going to start to talk peace and and, uh, negotiations. But... Um, d- diplomacy, but this, this is the thing that I don't understand. I still don't get it. The U- the European economy is being fucked by this. European ga- gas and oil security is being fucked by this. European workers and um, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, U- European jobs are being fucked by this. Our our lifestyles are lesser. Because of this, you know, we've, we've we're going to have less choice. Or we've got cost of living crisis. All this, this is all. It's not been solely caused by this, as the the British government would have you believe. But it is involved. It is has made it worse. There's no fucking reason why Europe should be 
game for this to happen. It doesn't make any sense. And I've seen this right from the start. I don't, this is what I don't get. The only... If I can see it, if a fucking idiot like me can see that this is a bad idea, that the ramifications and the ripples that are going to be felt from this are terrible, where this could go, I don't get it. How the these geniuses and brain boxes that run everything didn't see it either. And the only conclusion that I'm left to come to is that they're all corrupt. And they're all prepared to see the planet burn like at the end of that film, don't look up. For money. For just out of pure fucking greed and nothing else. It's, it's, because if I can see, if if someone like me can see it, how can they not see it? They can. There's no way they can't. But they did it anyway. It's 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 unbelievable to me. Sorry, I just have to type something in and then I'll get back on with the with the article. Um Right. Back to the article. There we go. Sorry, I'm just actually having to download something here. Done. Done. Okay. Back to the article. The moral hypocrisy of the United States is staggering. The crimes Russia is carrying out in Ukraine are more than matched you can say that again, by the crimes committed by Washington in the Middle East over the last two decades, including the act of preemptive war, which under post-Nuremberg laws is a criminal act of aggression. Only rarely is this hypocrisy exposed, as when the USA ambassador to the United States, Linda Thomas Greenfield, Greenfield told the body, we've seen videos of Russian forces moving exceptionally lethal weaponry into Ukraine, which is no place on the battlefield. That includes cluster munitions and vacuum bombs, which are banned under the Geneva Convention. Hours later, the official transcript of her remark was amended to tack on the words, if they are directed if they are directed against civilians. This is because the US, which, like Russia, never ratified the Convention on Cluster Munitions Treaty, regularly uses cluster munitions. It used them in Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia and Iraq. It has provided them to Saudi Arabia for use in the Yemen. And Russia has yet to come close to the tally of civilian deaths from cluster munitions delivered by the U.S. military. The Doctor Strange loves, like zombies rising from the mass graves they created around the globe, are once again stoking new campaigns of industrial mass slaughter. No diplomacy. No attempt to address the legitimate grievances of our adversaries. The legitimate grievances of of our adversaries. That's very important to you understand that. And I'm going to get into it. The next article I'm going to read to you is about that. Spe- a lot specifically about that. So, no check on rampant militarism. No capacity to see the world from another perspective. No ability to comprehend reality outside the confines of the binary rubric of good and evil. No understanding of the debacles they orchestrated for decades. No capacity for pity or remorse. Elliot Abrams worked in the Reagan administration when I was reporting from Central America. He covered up atrocities and massacres committed by the military regimes in El Salvador and Guatemala, Honduras, and by the US-backed Contra forces fighting the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. He viciously attacked reporters and human rights groups as communists or fifth columnists, calling us un-American and unpatriotic. He was convicted for lying to Congress about his role in the Iran-Contra affair during the administration of George W. Bush. He lobbied for the invasion of Iraq and tried to orchestrate a US coup in Venezuela to overthrow Hugo Chavez, if you remember that, which was not very long ago. And there's a link to that in this article. I'll be putting the link to this article in the, the show notes for you. 
There will be no substitutes for military strength and we do not have enough, writes Abrams for the Council on Foreign Relations where he is a senior fellow. It should be crystal clear now that a larger percentage of GDP will need to be spent on defence. We will need more conventional strength in ships and planes. We will need to match the Chinese in advanced military technology. But at the other end of the spectrum, we may need many more tanks if we have to hold station, if we have to station thousands in Europe, as we did during the Cold War. The total number of American tanks permanently stationed in Europe today is zero, and fucking proper order, it should be zero. Why should there be fucking American tanks in fucking Europe, you cunt? Persistent efforts to diminish even further the size of our nuclear arsenal or prevent its modernization were always bad ideas. But now, as China and Russia are modernizing their nuclear weaponry and appear to have no interest in negotiating new limits, such restraints should be completely abandoned. Our nuclear arsenal will need to be modernized and expanded so that we will never face the kinds of threats Putin is now making from a position of real nuclear inferiority. This is fucking nonsense. Do you know how many nuclear bombs you need? One. Putin played into the hands of the war industry. He gave the war... This is Chris Hedges talking now. The last guy was that fucking ghoul, Elliot Abrams. Putin played into the hands of the war industry. He gave the warmongers what they wanted. He fulfilled their wildest fantasies. There will be no impediments now on the march to Armageddon. Military budgets will soar. The oil will gush from the ground. The climate crisis will accelerate. China and Russia will form the new axis of evil. The poor will be abandoned. The roads across the earth will be clogged with desperate refugees. All dissent will be treason. The young will be sacrificed for the tired hopes, the tired troops of glory, honour and country. The vulnerable will suffer and die. The only true patriots will be generals, war profiteers, opportunists, courtiers in the media and demagogues braying for more and more blood. The merchants of death rule like Olympian gods and we, cowed by fear, intoxicated by war, swept up in the collective hysteria, clamour for our own annihilation. So there you go. So, now, pretty fucking grim, isn't it? Pretty bleak. Now, I'm going to play you a little thing that has, I saw just today, just a few hours ago. And I'm hoping that it, because that, reading that article is, it would be very easy to get despondent beyond repair. Wouldn't you agree? So what I'm going to do is going to play a little thing here. Um, President Zelensky of Ukraine was on, was interviewed just a few hours ago. And now this is, he's obviously Ukrainian, so he's talking in Ukrainian. So I am going to, there's subtitles, so I'm going to translate what he says. Translate what he says. I'm going to read out the subtitles. I don't speak Ukrainian. <laughs> I mean, your man speaks Ukrainian, fuck me. I know he knows how to do a podcast now, but I didn't realise he was that good. Right, okay. So this was, so bear in mind the, the weight of that article by Chris Hedges. Now, this is what's happened in the past couple of hours. So, sorry, put, I put that back to the start again. So there we go. Security guarantees and neutrality, the nuclear free status of our state, we are ready to go for it. This is the most important point. It was the first principle point for the Russian Federation. As far as I recall, I understand it's impossible to make Russia give up the territory completely, 
that it will lead to the Third World War, I understand completely. I am aware. That is why I am saying, yes, this is a compromise. We come back to where it all started and we will try to resolve the question of Donbass, the complex question of Donbass. That was, uh, that was as of, uh, where's the timestamp on this? This was a few hours ago. So, Zelensky has now said that he is prepared to talk to the Russians about what the Russians wanted, which was agreed in the Minsk Agreement in 2014. Right? Which was neutrality for Ukraine and no more. And this is the thing as well. If you listen to the normal media, you would believe that President Putin wants to take over the Donbass region, which I think he does now, but he didn't then. He said, fuck it, we're just going to take this and you can fuck off. But he always, he said for years, we don't want this. We don't want to, to we don't want to take over this place in, in, our, as in our territory. But I think they're, you know, so this is them getting right back to the start. So Zelensky, as of a couple of hours ago, is now saying we're prepared to accept Ukraine uh, is not going to be in NATO. And by the way, as George Galloway put it just last night, he said, Ukraine may not be in NATO, but NATO is in Ukraine. And that's an important point. So that's kind of good news. And I hope that that, I hope it doesn't, you know, just after reading that article by, by m- my boy uh, Hedges, um, that you uh, don't go out and fucking do yourself in. <laughs> So it looks like this this might not end up in nuclear fucking war, which I'm assuming most of us don't want. So here we go. We'll hit this next article. And this is, again, giving you more context, more meat on the bone as to why... Um. Putin invaded Ukraine. This is from March 10th. And again, it's from Mint Press News, which is an amazing um, uh, publication. And I I support it. I, 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 what do you call it? What's the thing? Subscribe. Right. So this is called The West's Hands in Ukraine Are as Bloody as Putin. So you know right from the fucking title there, He's not excusing. Uh, he's not excusing what's going on. He's just letting you know. So by a guy called Jonathan Cook, whom I don't know. So here we go. There is a discursive nervous tick all over social media at the moment, including from prominent journalists such as Guardian columnist George Mumbia. The demand is that everyone not only condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine, but do so without qualification. And that is a part, is what I am against. That's the thing that gets to me. That you're not supposed to give everything context. That he just, Russia just decided one day that they were going to start World War Three, and that was the fucking end of it. No, and, and you're not allowed to, and if you say anything to the contrary, you're a Putin apologist or a Putin puppet or you're some sort of fucking Kremlin bot. And that, as a narrative, is so fucking childish. It's 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 offensive to me. It really is offensive to me. It it is childish. And the, and and this is the, the 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 thing as well. You hear this referencing back to communism in the USSR. Vladimir Putin is not a communist. Vladimir Putin is a conservative. Russia is not a communist country. It is a capitalist country. Again, George Galloway again. Russia should be our friends. But if, if by those, they're white, they're Christian, they're conservative, and they're capitalist. They're not the fucking Taliban. Taliban? Taliban? So, sorry, on with the article. Any reluctance to submit is considered certain proof that the person... Oh, well, just as, exactly as I said that the person is a Putin apologist or a Kremlin bot, 
and that their views on everything under the sun, especially their criticisms of equivalent Western war crimes, can safely be ignored. Right, there we go. How convenient for all those Western leaders who have committed war crimes at least as bad as Russia's current ones. I have regular, repeatedly described Russia's invasion as illegal. I have regularly called Putin a war criminal. You may not have noticed, but I just did it again in the preceding two paragraphs. And I have consistently compared Putin's deeds to the very worst actions taken by the West over the past two decades. But none of that is enough. More is always needed. The demand for unequivocal denunciation is a strange if common one and suggests that those insisting on it are being dishonest, if only with themselves. The function of the demand is not to clarify whether any particular piece of information or an argument is credible. It is intended purely as a gotcha. And there was a, here's a, a tweet uh, from Paul Mason. Do you condemn Putin's invasion and support of the Ukrainian government in its resistance to the attack? Will you support the Ukrainian people in their resistance to ethno-nationalist slaughter? If yes, there's nothing to worry about. These are Labour's values. That's from Paul Mason. He's fallen for a long way, man. I used to think he was class. I don't remember an insistence for anyone condemn, to condemn Tony Blair or George W. Bush for the invasion of Iraq in 2003 before they could be heard or taken seriously or that they announced, denounced the US-backed overthrow of Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi that plunged that country into murderous chaos under which it is still suffering, by the way, or that they deplored the West's material support for Saudi Arabia's slaughter of Yemen's population, which is still ongoing, including Britain's sale of planes, bombs and training to Riyadh, or that they criticised the West's backing of head-chopping jihadists in Syria, who coincidentally now appear to be drifting into Ukraine to become our allies again. Or that they had to cry decades of Western support for Israel as it has, appear, as it has disappeared the Palestinian people. And those are the things for which we, meaning Westerners, are directly responsible. We elected the politicians who caused this unquantifiable suffering. Those bombs were ours, we ought to be clamouring for our leaders to be dragged to the Hague to be tried for war crimes. By contrast, we, meaning Westerners, are not responsible for Putin or his actions. I cannot vote him out of office. Nothing I say will make him alter course and worse again. Anything I do say against him or Russia simply amplifies the mindless course of self-righteous Western commentary intended to cast stone at stones at Russia's warmongers while leaving our own homegrown warmongers in place. Westerners denouncing Putin won't make comp. Oh, sorry, there was a. Uh, oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Westerners denouncing Putin won't make compromise and peace more likely. It will make it less likely. Russians need to be highlighting Putin's crimes as best they can to drive him to the negotiating table. Hopefully that's going to happen. We now know that Zelensky, as I just played you that audio, is um, prepared to um, negotiate. Uh, while we need to be doing the same for our leaders to push them to the same table, as long as our intention is on Putin and his crimes, it is not on our leaders and their crimes. Those who insist it is quite impossible to announce both Putin and and Western leaders at the same time are precisely the people who have been so half-hearted in holding our own leaders to account. Monbiere, let us note, has not used a single one of his weekly columns at the Guardian to highlight the years-long plight of Julian Assange, locked away in a British dungeon for revealing US and UK war crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is the gravest attack on a free press in living memory, yet Monbiere used his most recent column to attack Assange supporters like veteran journalist John Pilger for not being voluble enough in denouncing Putin. Denouncing Putin. Those who require unequivocal condemnation of Putin insist that now in the midst of a war it is not the time to be sowing doubt or undermining morale in the righteousness of our cause. 
a small giveaway that they think of this as a Western and a not a Ukrainian war with Russia. And that's the thing as well. The the the, the uh, Leo Varadkar, um, basically the deputy prime minister in Ireland, he said Ukraine are our neighbours. How the fuck are Ukraine our neighbours? Ukraine is Russia's neighbour. Was I not talking about this last week, about this? You have to have good neighbourly relationships with people. Britain has been a pain in our fucking ass for 800 years in Ireland, but we still have to try and maintain a, a, a relationship, and a civil, sharing, you know, neighbourly relationship. Right? Which we do, for, for, the, for the most part. Well, Ukraine and Russia have to do the fucking same. They're neighbours. Ukraine is not our neighbour. Again, going to fucking say it. That is not to say that I don't sympathise. My heart is breaking and what's going on is wrong. See, th- this is exactly what this fucking article is all about. Every time you say something, you feel like you need to qualify it. So, back to the article. Again, conveniently, that is precisely the message Western leaders want to send to. Just ask Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson, whose party gate scandal is now a distant memory, and isn't that fucking convenient, as he seeks to evoke Churchillian gravitas in facing off with Russia. Instead, the parties in the British Parliament put aside the very superficial differences this week, as the Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky rallied them with a historic address. What really is the point of demanding Westerners denounce Putin unequivocally when the entire Western media and political class is directing our gaze exclusively at Russia's crimes precisely so that Westerners don't look at equivalent equivalent Western crimes? The truth is that in power politics, unequivocal denunciations are for politicians and diplomats and virtue signalers. Condemnations may be emotionally satisfying, but the rest of us can put our energies to far better use. For most of us, the better course would be to blow away the immediate fog of war and instead analyse our, meaning the West's, unfolding events. Even a curtain, this is, so he goes on to the next paragraph, this, uh, the title is NATO Insurance Policy. Even a cursory glance shows that the West's hands are not clean in Ukraine, not at all. The meddling and hypocrisy have occurred in two stages, first from politicians and then from the media. Uh, this is a tweet by Glenn Greenwald quoting uh, uh, Jonathan Cook, the, the author of this this article, Craig Murray, Aaron Maté and Glenn Greenwald. It's, not, it's by someone called Konu. I don't know who that is. Um, Biden in 1997 saying that the only thing that could provoke a vigorous and hostile Russian response would be if NATO expanded as far as the Baltic states. And he knew that in 1997. And here he is, right? So, Jonathan Cook, I don't follow him. But I, I do now. There we go. Uh, it was choices by Western politicians that provoked the invasion. What's coming next is an explanation, not a justification of those developments for those who need such things spelled out clearly. Russian troops are in Ukraine, not because Putin is Hitler, mad or a megalomaniac. Though, again, the invasion does make him a war criminal in the same mould as Tony Blair and George W. Bush. Russian troops are there because he and his officials judged the West to be acting malevolently and in bad faith in their dealings with Ukraine. The Putin as madman or Hitler script deflects attention away from the very obvious fact that Western leaders willfully played fast and loose with the security of Ukraine and the safety of its population. Uh, And he, he... points to a tweet of his own from February 28th where he says, my latest simple-minded media propaganda, like the claim Russia's Putin is deranged, is precisely what brought us to the current crisis over Ukraine. Okay, so on to the onwards. The West encouraged Ukrainians to believe that, now this is, now pay attention to this bit because this is the fucking meat and potatoes of this article, right? The West encouraged Ukrainians 
to believe that they would soon fall under NATO's security umbrella. When in fact the West had no intention of protecting them and is now only too evident. Ukrainians were led to believe that the more Russia's posture turned belligerent towards Ukraine, the more likely NATO would be to come to Ukraine's rescue and act as its saviour, which of course incentivized the Ukrainian government to keep poking the Russian bear in the expectation that Kiev would have a NATO insurance policy up its sleeve. It didn't. It never did, as current events show. And who is going to suffer? Who? The Ukrainian people. First, number two, Europe. Which is why I don't fucking understand why our European leaders, the EU, are all going for this. The EU just had to sign a massive $15 billion fucking gas a contract with the with with America. We had a pipe, two fucking pipelines from Russia. Now we're buying more expensive gas. I can't afford to put oil in my tank. We're burning coal again for fuck's sake. And it's going to get worse. This is so unnecessary. This is all just in order to float the American economy and put billions of euros in the pockets of the greediest bastards that have ever lived. They wake up in the morning and all they can think about is making fucking profits. It's how they... It's what they are. And they don't care what they're going to have to do to... to earn them. And they don't want to earn them, to steal them. So here, uh, Jonathan Cook quoted another, it's another tweet... Professor John John Mearsheimer explains why Russia was right to view NATO's actions since 2014 in Ukraine as an existential threat, a clear, succinct background on a U.S. manufactured crisis. Uh, I think that's a video, let me just see. Oh, that's a YouTube. Oh, good. Oh, I'll watch that later. I'll put the link in the profile for you. Or in the... I'll put all these links in the show notes. The reason Boris Johnson lost no time in rebuffing the emotional pressure levied by a Ukrainian journalist at the recent press conference to, impl- to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine is that even he understands that such a policy would be suicidal against a nuclear power like Russia. Shooting down Russian jets would likely plunge us into the rerun of the Cuban Missile Crisis of 1962. But on the back of NATO's deception, notice that he called it there, NATO's deception, Recent Ukrainian leaders confidently fomented ethnic nationalism at home and thereby themselves played a dangerous game of chicken with their superpower neighbour. That included coddling anti-Russian fascists at home and stoking a related civil war in the Donbass region by its ultra-nationalist allies against the Russian ethnic community living there as a way to drag NATO directly into the conflict. And by the way, do you know this? Do you know that from 2000, uh, uh, the Ukrainian government have been bombing Ukraine? in the Don- That's why this Donbass region that you keep hearing about is such an important... 14,000 people have been killed by the Ukrainian government. 14,000 Ukrainians have been killed by the Ukrainian government. That's what the... The Minsk treaties were for in 2014. Back to the article. For those who accuse anyone who points out that the long-running influence of the ultra-nationalist groups in Ukraine of being Putin trolls, this 2017 video from The Guardian, it's in the article, again, if you go to it, you'll be able to see it. A newspaper now reflexively dismissing, dismissive of all criticism of Ukraine, showing a neo-Nazi summer camp for Ukrainian children may make for uncomfortable viewing. The Azov Brigade fascists running it, as well as the other like-minded groups, have been effortlessly incorporated into the Ukrainian military the West is arming. President Zelensky hasn't abandoned his pre-invasion intransigence. Well, he has, as of today. He entrenched he has entrenched, calling for Ukraine to be armed with nuclear missiles and for NATO to either impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine or give Ukraine the planes to enforce the zone itself. That Zelensky wants NATO to bail him out, especially after it was NATO who was responsible for enticing him 
and to the current confrontation with Russia is hardly surprising. But the degree to which the Western media have pushed Zelensky's line means a strong majority of the US public now favour Kiev's course of action, even though it would most likely trigger World War III between nuclear powers. A suicidal narrative. How enthralled Westerners are to this media-confected suicidal narratives can be gauged by the number of armchair warriors in the West, accusing anyone taking a more cautious approach of not only being Putin apologists, but of denying the Ukrainian people their sovereign right to join NATO and fall under its protection. Ukraine has no sovereign... Has, uh, sorry, this is a, t- a tweet from Emily Haber, February, 20, uh, February 16th, 22. Ukraine has a sovereign right to seek NATO membership and choose its course. We will not guarantee, we will not guarantee otherwise to Russia. Back to the article. But NATO membership isn't a sovereign right, and it shouldn't be viewed as some kind of glorified neighbourhood watch scheme. NATO is a military club. States qualify to join if the other members agree they want to commit to protecting that state. If NATO members don't have the ability or will to defend another state, as is the case with Ukraine, then it is a crime to pretend they do, for the very reasons the events unfolding now demonstrate. In fact, it's not just any ordinary crime, it is a crime against humanity. Do you hear what he's saying? It is not a sovereign right to join NATO. NATO is a military club. The states qualify to join if other members agree. They want to commit to protecting that state. Clearly, the rest of NATO is not going to go into Ukraine to fight Russia. So if NATO members don't have the ability or the will to defend the Ukraine, then it's a crime to pretend they do, which they fucking did. Every death in the current war, Ukrainian and Russian, could almost certainly have been averted had the US and its NATO allies not led Ukraine up the garden path, had Ukrainians not believed that with enough pressure they could force NATO's hand in their favour, they would have had to accommodate Russian concerns well before any invasion, such as by committing to neutrality. Russia would have on no grounds or pretext, depending on how you wish to look at it, to invade. The media's madman Hitler scripts are needed now to turn reality on its head, suggesting that Putin would have invaded whatever actions NATO and the Ukraine took. But if that is not true, and there is no evidence it is, then the blood of the victims of this war is most certainly on the West's hands, just as it is in Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, Gaza, Yemen and elsewhere. Media hypocrisy. The second hypocrisy is the current one being peddled by Western media, They want to flaunt a bogus moral concern about the suffering of Ukrainians under attack from Russia that they never show towards the victims of Western bombs and missiles. Terrible as the suffering of Ukrainians is, two weeks into the invasion, it is still a pale shadow of the decades of suffering of Palestinians in Gaza or Yemenis under Saudi planes and bombs supplied by the West. The prioritization of one over the other needs explaining. Social media warriors with much less sophisticated much less sophisticated than the corporate media readily readily rationalize this lack of interest in the West victims by dismissing them as terrorists or by blaming them for living under terrorist regimes, or by simply insisting that they were further removed from us, as though Britons and Americans somehow feel more of a natural affinity with Ukrainians than with Syrians or Palestinians or with Russians. We don't, unless the corporate media keeps insisting such a bond exists. If that strategy fails, it is on to the next one, arguing that any effort to point out the utter hypocrisy of the Western media and its entirely hollow concern for Ukrainians, rather than for Ukraine as a pawn on the West's colonial chessboard, is called whataboutery. It is bad enough that such reasoning is rooted in profound racism that counts white Europeans as worthy victims and brown or black 
victims as collateral damage of supposed Western peacemaking. Um, Chomsky talks about that in uh, Manufacturing Consent. He talks about worthy victims and unworthy victims. Uh, But actually, the rot runs far deeper. It is not just racism at work in the special treatment of Ukraine, Ukraine's suffering over that of Iraqis or Yemenis or Palestinians. That could be solved through education and awareness raising. No, the Western media's identification with Ukraine and consequently the public's identification with its plight is based on Ukraine's usefulness to the Western imperial project, which is exactly what's got us into this mess in the first place. In truth, a straight line runs between the West's treatment of Iraq and its treatment of Ukraine. In Iraq, the US and its allies sought to reorder the chessboard by intensifying their grip over oil as Western capitalism began running up ever-depleting stores of cheap and easily accessible fossil fuels and the climate emergency made capitalism's endless profit-making model even more precarious. But though the chess analogy for Western foreign policy-making dates it back to at least the 19th century, it may now be inadequate to explain what we have been taking, what has been taking place over the last couple of decades. More accurately, Washington's planners see the world largely in terms of high-stakes version of its children's party games, musical chairs. As the chairs disappear, it is ever more important to make sure you, rather than your enemies, grab the last seats. The main enemies on the global stage, if you sit in Washington, are Russia and China. The tools you need at your disposal are not just wits, as in chess, but muscle, as in the very adult survival of the fittest version of musical chairs. That has required the US and its allies to ever more aggressively isolate Russia and China, trying to sow divisions and make each feel threatened and isolated, which, as, Mos- as Moscow and Beijing more clearly understand Washington's strategy, has driven these two unlikely partners into each other's arms. The rest of us have to decide which of the biggest children we want to ally with as the chairs keep disappearing and the game gets ever more vicious. Um, next paragraph, proxy war of attrition. Nearly done. This is the end of it. Back in Ukraine, meanwhile, the US and its NATO allies appear to be doing what they can to drag out the war for us as long as possible. Russia appeared initially to want a relatively short war of attrition to pacify Ukraine, forcing its nationalist government to drop aspirations to become a launch pad for NATO weapons and impose on it instead neutrality. Now that Russia has committed treasure and lives to the war, it will likely get greedier and want more. Reports suggest it is already demanding independence rather than autonomy for the Donbass region, so that's just literally what I said a minute ago. Of course, the conclusion, even Westerners would draw... Oh, I don't think that's going to be... I, I, I don't think Russia actually wants... Uh, Oh, sorry, it's independence. They don't. Russia doesn't want to take over the Donbass. They want the Donbass to be independent. Okay. Of course, the conclusion even Westerners would draw if we weren't so propagandized by the media is that neutrality for Ukraine is inevitable. Unless we are willing to risk the alternative of World War III, any delay in achieving neutrality for Ukraine as an outcome simply causes unnecessary death and suffering. The US, by contrast, wants a long proxy war of attrition covertly supplying Ukrainian forces, indifferent as to whether they are nice ones or neo-Nazis, to bog Russia down in years of difficult guerrilla warfare, a la Afghanistan, did the same thing in Afghanistan, and it, well, it was the Soviet Union, and it worked, and counterinsurgency. The bloodshed will feed the hostility and unthinking racism of Western publics, of the Western publics towards Russia and Russians providing the pretext for Washington to sustain the West's parallel economic war on Russia. Ukrainians will pay a price. As By the way, the, the economic war in Russia, that hasn't worked out. This is not going to work. We spoke about this collapsing of the, 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 the threat to the petrodollar. In the week that, that I talked to you about that last week, in the week that's, that's passed by, that has moved on. I mean, it, it, this is happening. It really fucking is happening. Russia and China are now trading. India is now trading with Russia in uh, um, rupees. 
trading oil in rupees. Yeah, it's it's not it, it's over. The U.S. and the West have shown themselves, the U.S. in particular, have shown themselves to be a really, really unreliable and dirty ally. If you don't do, they they don't. The U.S. doesn't want a partner. They want you do what we tell you, or we will fuck you up. That's gangsterism. That's Tony Soprano shit. So you know you, you, we have the 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 illusion of civility with our with our friends. You know these are our allies. It's only they're our allies so long as you're you're a useful ally. The day you become a use, a, you're not a useful ally. You're you're fucking. It's game over. And you know this is this is America's raison d'être. This is what they've been doing for a century or more. But anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's it. We're nearly done. Ukrainians will pay the price as the US seeks to wear down Russia, just as Syrians, Libyans, Irani, Iranians, Yemenis, Venezuelans, and Pal- Palestinians have paid the price as the US has sought to attain the goals of its globe spanning imperial project. Washington understands that a weakened Russia might not be able to save Bashir Assad's government from the takeover of Syria by the West's. Islamic State and Al-Qaeda allies there. Did, did, did you hear what he said? The takeover of Syria by the West's Islamic State and Al-Qaeda allies. The West, we are... Our allies in Syria fighting Bashir al-Assad's government and forces are Al-Qaeda. And in the future it is hoped... Moscow will be in no position to support others who resist Western hegemony, especially the pariah states of Venezuela, Iran and China. Ukrainians will pay the price as the U.S. seeks to wear down Russia, just as Sir, uh, Syrians, Libyans, Iranis... Have I not read this already? I have. Uh, sorry, just skip back. It is a huge ambition for a tiny elite headquartered in the U.S., committed to the endless entrenchment of its enrichment of itself by enforcing a binary thinking among western publics that obscures the real reason for the planet-wide crisis we have if it succeeds the west's war machine will continue trundling over the bodies of the poor and the marginalized as it drives us ever faster towards ecological collapse so there we go and again uh, I'll just remind you that President Zelensky in the past couple of hours has said that he is prepared to negotiate um, the original demands of Russia for Ukraine to remain neutral and they're going to come to and hopefully come to an agreement over the complicated issue of the Donbass which is what Russia wanted from the beginning. All these people, die. and I said, I remember talking with someone about this two weeks ago I said they're going to end. They're going to end. They're going. To, Ukraine's going to end up neutral, not in NATO, and the, the Donbass is probably going to end up autonomous. Exactly what they agreed, and 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 she says so. All these dead people are for nothing. They're for nothing. That's what it's going to end up. So there we go. There's two fantastic articles that will give you again put some meat on the bones for you of what's going on. I will put. Uh, the links in the uh, in the show notes for you as I upload this and yeah so there you go that's it we're done we're gonna we're gonna call it because I'm sick of the sound of my own voice just been reading for an hour what a sore head um yeah so I want you to I, I also was said as well there's another there's another word you're gonna start hearing it's a lot in the coming weeks and months. Multipolar, right? It's a multi. We're going, uh, 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 I don't know in what context you're going to hear it, whether it be it a good thing or a bad thing, but you're going to start hearing it. Multipolar, rather than the unipolar world that the US is trying to create, where everything points basically towards the US, everything is controlled by the US and the empire and the hegemony that it is. China is and Russia are going to it's all changed it's all changed Russia 
cannot, China can't, they know they cannot trust the US. They know they can't do it, so they have to set up on their own. And they're, go- and they're doing it, and they're going to fucking do it. So, there we go. That's it. I'm done. So, like, share, subscribe, everybody. Politics, culture, and some other shit. Yeah. Hope that wasn't too bleak. But, now you know. And it's better to know than to not know. So, take care. And I'll talk to you again. Bye.